Okay, the latest report is that Rocketman says he remains committed to denuclearizing the Korean Peninsula. This thing could change any minute. I can't keep track anymore. It could be changed by the end of the show. He met with South Korean president, and they say the June 12th meeting will happen as scheduled. Uh, you know, it's like a high-stakes ping-pong match at this point. And these are two of the most unpredictable and impulsive people on the planet, Kim Jong-un and President Trump. You know, Giuliani said there's a better chance that Trump's going to meet with Kim Jong-un than meeting with Bob Mueller, because at least North Korea is not trying to trap Trump into committing perjury. You know, and I have to just say, as a caller pointed out to me, you know, contrast President Trump's attitude with Obama. Trump sends this letter to Kim Jong-un, you don't, you want to insult us? I'm sorry, we're not willing to meet with you. He's ready to throw this all away. Obama would be begging Kim for a meeting. Please, please, Mr. Kim, Mr. Un, please don't, don't cancel on me. I need you for my legacy. Trump is literally on the verge of getting the Nobel Peace Prize if this meeting happens and if it's successful. His big, biggest critics have been forced to praise him. You know, this inexperienced, clueless Trump who, who, who's on TV and built casinos. He doesn't know anything about diplomacy. And yet he's on the brink of this um, amazing, massive success. He'll throw it all in the trash just not to be outfoxed by a lunatic dictator because it's not about his legacy. It's about doing the right thing. By the way, I'm so tired of hearing conservatives say, I don't want a second special counsel. One special counsel is more than enough. Why not? What is wrong with a special counsel? You think you're taking the high road? You think letting the dirtiest, slimiest FBI corrupt as they are in history under Obama get away with destroying, sabotaging a president? You think that's a high road? Not bringing them to justice, showing the Clintons and their machine and the Democrats that they can continue to get away. You know, Benghazi, email, the email gate and all that other stuff, IRS gate, and they can continue to get away with all these things and get and never be brought to justice. And that is somehow the high road. You know, I, I want to see Giuliani. I want to see Gingrich appointed as the second special counsel to investigate Spygate. You know, they'll have Obama being led away in handcuffs. By the way, Giuliani says that there's no way Obama didn't know about Spygate. He says John Brennan has this operation going. And... They, he literally briefs Obama every day. You think that he forgot to mention this somehow? And they see, they thought Hillary was going to win. And they were going to prosecute Trump and members of his campaign, the Trump family. This was their big plan. Hillary's going to win, and we're going to have all this information that we gathered, and we're going to indict them. That was the plan here, folks. It's unreal. Follow us on Twitter at The Politics Zone, at The Politics Zone. You can text 40404. Follow at symbol The Politics Zone. No spaces. Uh, NFL stuff coming up. Plus, there's a controversy about the National Guard troops at the Mexican border. We'll tell you about that. An Israeli court has chucked out a lawsuit brought by Israelis. Israeli organizations brought a lawsuit on behalf of Hamas terrorists. Unbelievable. These phony human rights groups who claim that Israel, the IDF, shouldn't be allowed to use live ammunition against protesters in Gaza. I'm sorry. Innocent demonstrators who are just trying to get their land back. Occupied, persecuted people. Here's what they claim. There's no immediate danger to these soldiers. These soldiers have no right to fire uh, on these Gaza protesters who are literally threatening their lives and trying to invade Israel. They call themselves the human rights group. But think about it. They're terrorist sympathizers. They're the antithesis of human rights groups. They're, they're, they're so backward. You know, they're protecting the killers and attacking the good guys because then they can sleep well at night with a clear conscience, somehow thinking that... I don't know. Help! They're helping terrorists kill innocent Jews. You know, so this court ruled in unanimously 
that when Hamas sends terrorists with explosives to break down the border and attack soldiers, you are allowed to shoot them. Can you imagine any Arab country where they're even having this lawsuit, where they even have to rule on this with judge, with, you know, have judges rule on such a thing? You know, and yet Israel and the United States both get attacked for the same crime, for securing their borders. And the media is outraged right now that we're separating kids from parents at the border. Marco Rubio says he's going to work on legislation potentially to stop this policy of separating kids from their parents. And, you know, they're making it sound like we're going into Mexico and we're ripping kids out of bed and throwing their parents in jail. Innocent people. Actually, we're begging them. We're saying, do not come across the border. Keep your kids safely at home. Don't bring them to such a dangerous place. And we're telling them, by the way, if you do bring them, we're going to separate them. You know why? To protect the kids. It's a crime to smuggle these kids across the border. Not to mention they're using their kids as human shields. I'm going to cross the border and big, bad, evil Trump, who's so heartless and cruel that he doesn't let people just come across the border illegally and stay put. Well, he's going to take us away. He's going to throw us in jail. So, you know, I'll bring kids. And everybody knows that if you bring kids, then it becomes this big PR opportunity and they'll never they'll never separate me from kids and that's what's happening we're, and we're, we're they're basically forcing they're basically kidnapping their own kids you know and then trying to blame the United States and we're begging them not to right now a border patrol union leader the head of the union for the border patrol agents he says that the National Guard troops who were sent to the border it's a total waste he says a waste of resources and they're not really contributing meanwhile Department of Homeland Security secretary says that Actually, they are contributing. They have, because of the National Guard troops being sent there, and so far there's only been, I think, about 775 sent. There's going to be more coming. An additional 4,100 illegals were apprehended and arrested in the past four weeks. 4,100 illegals as a result only of these National Guards. That's on top of the normal amount. Now, it is a total waste of resources because they should just be building a wall and they won't need to have humans down there. It's a ridiculous waste of resources. But guess whose fault that is? I'll give you a hint. It's not the Republicans' fault, not Trump's fault that they're not building a wall. You hear about Joshua Holt. He was this man held hostage in Venezuela since 2016. He went down there innocently and he was accused of being a CIA spy because Venezuela has a gripe uh, with the United States. And he was held captive here for the last couple of years. And President Trump got him freed. He's back in the United States. This is now 17 hostages that President Trump has gotten freed from foreign countries uh, since he took office. All right. Uh, the NFL, a little bit more about the NFL and their policy, which is that uh, if uh, players uh, take a knee, if players disgrace the national anthem, then the, t then, then the team will be fine. By the way, the players won't be fine. The team will be fine. So the New York Times is up in arms. They're blaming, they're not bad piece, blaming NFL owners for siding with President Trump. This keeps happening. They are not siding with President Trump. These owners don't like President Trump. Furthermore, these owners, if they institute a policy, there is one reason. For money, they are business people. I, I, I don't begrudge them for that, by the way, but that's the only thing they care about. And the reality is not only were they hemorrhaging fans, not only were they losing a ton of money, but they actually took surveys of football fans asking them, why do you not come? Why are you not watching the games anymore? And while there were multiple reasons, the number one reason was because it was, well, it was a combination of the concussion uh, controversy, which we're not getting into on the politics show, and this, the disgracing of the national anthem, these protests, quote unquote, which is much more than a protest. You know, it's 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 borderline treasonous. Now, uh, a caller asked me, what about freedom of expression? What about freedom of speech? And I'm glad you brought that up because I need to make this point. There is no protection of freedom of speech in this scenario. I, I, if I go in the street, if I decide that I want to go and publicly say something, write a book, write an article, you go into the middle of the street and protest that that's within my right of freedom of speech. 
But if I'm working as an employee for a business, I can't just wreck the business and just destroy my owner's income because I feel like expressing myself. You know, so if I work in a restaurant, you know, if I work in a hotel or wherever, I don't care, any or any sort of store, any sort of business, and I decide to march up and down, you know, and yelling at people or disgracing or protesting against Trump or you name it, and that impacts the business, the business owner has every right to have a policy. He can throw me out. He can fire me. He can threaten me. You know, there has to be some kind of just cause or whatever, but this is more than just cause. And this was the, this is their policy. This has been their policy. So there is no freedom of expression when I'm an employee. I have to abide by the business, you know, and the new, it's simple as that. It's a business decision. Now, the New York Times, amazing how they just make a mockery of this whole thing because they say, hopefully these players will protest in another way. You know, they want the players to figure out a way to protest. And here's the quote. This is outrageous. It might be amusing, for example, to see the owners tied in knots by players who choose to abide the injunction to stand and show respect while holding black gloved fists in the air or who choose to stand while holding signs protesting police brutality. So they, they're basically saying it would be amusing to them if these players come up with some way that's technically within the guidelines of NFL rules, but they'll still be disgracing the national anthem. And it, I'm just shocked. You know, it might be amusing. They laugh about this. They find this funny, the New York Times. I mean, this is such a serious issue. Not for us, a serious issue for the people they sympathize with, for the black community. And when I talk about police brutality and everything going on there, I don't blame the police, by the way. I blame the black community for the most part. You know, there are individual scenarios where it seems that the police, you know, things get out of hand. But there's a reason the police are so afraid to go into these communities, you know, and, and shake with fear every time they, you know, have to pull over uh, somebody who's African-American. And it's as simple as that. So... The New York Times to just kind of make this into a joke. Ha ha, figure out it. They'll figure out another way. Meanwhile, New York Jets owner says that he's going to reimburse. He's going to pay the fine. He's telling his players, no problem. You want to kneel down, that's fine. You're not even going to have to pay for it. So in a sense, this policy turns out to end up being very weak, it looks like, because a lot of the players are going to be able to circumvent it as long as they want to pay a fine or maybe the team will pay for them. I don't think this is over. I think this is just going to keep going. Now, another caller asked me, uh, to digress here about the caravan. Remember the caravan? Great point. Whatever happened with that caravan? Well, it turns out you're going to be shocked because after all the threats, it turns out a lot of these people ended up getting into our country and neither side wants to discuss it. This is an embarrassment, in my opinion, for Trump and, and Jeff Sessions. And it's also a very bad news as far as border immigration policy goes. So the Democrats don't want to point this out. 450 total people ended up on this caravan crossing the border. Remember, a lot of them jumped ship. 450 made it across the border. And of that 450, 122 jumped the border. In other words, they didn't wait to try to go through the process. They decided to sneak across. 122. Those 122 were arrested, yet only 11 were prosecuted. And it's unclear what happened to the remainder, to the other 111. So 120 jump across the border illegally. They're arrested, yet only 11 have been prosecuted. I'm hoping that the rest were sent across the border, but nothing would back across, deported, nothing would shock me. Now, the majority, however, more than 330 of them, they actually waited to apply for asylum through the official channels. And they're being processed right now. 330 are in the process, and what happened was, here's what happened, uh, the 216 of those 330, hope this is not too confusing, have been screened, and basically all of them, 95% of them, cleared the initial screening. Now, the initial screening is a joke. The congresswoman in Arizona herself, Martha McSally, she said it's a joke. Basically, anybody with a pulse can get in the initial screening to see if they are uh, eligible potentially for asylum. So you have 200 out of 330 who came here legally. 
216, claim asylum, 216, 205, I'm sorry, uh, have been approved to, to, to stay in this country because they're going to have to go through a process to see if they can uh, get asylum, be granted asylum. Amazingly, it's going to take years for their asylum hearings to happen, and they are now released into our country. And in six months, they can apply for work permits. Do you think we're ever going to hear from these people again? Only 20% of them are actually going to gain asylum, but it doesn't matter because they're in the country. They've made it into the country. Most of the people on this caravan, despite having zero proof that they deserve to be here for asylum purposes, have actually made it legally and they are wandering around this country. How sick a policy is that? You know, and um, Democrats, meanwhile, are saying that this is a terrible attitude. Representative Congresswoman Nanette Barragan of California, Democrat. She says, quote, we love to paint immigrants as criminals. This is not the complete fact, and it's very offensive for me to see this continuing to happen as we, we treat them like criminals. No, we don't treat immigrants like criminals. We treat illegal immigrants like criminals. You know why? Because they're criminals, because they came across the border and they committed a crime. And when you commit a crime, look it up in the dictionary, you are a criminal. All right, there's a big Republican push now to try to Wait for it. Repeal and replace Obamacare again. Yeah, they're like gluttons for punishment. <laughs> so this is going to be revealed here in the next couple of days. So keep an eye out for this because they're not revealing too many details yet. But there's a big plan in place, uh, well, that they're going to try to implement to repeal and replace Obamacare. And essentially, they're going to try to give uh, it all back to the states. And, you know, where have I heard this before? Deja vu all over again. They're going to try to give the states a lot more control. See, what they're trying to do is they know that, Congress, even Republicans in Congress, are never going to go for a true repeal and replace of Obamacare where you're going to have to cut a lot of people off of public insurance because, or private insurance for that matter, but of Obamacare-related insurance because it's simply getting impossible to afford. They don't want to do that because then they're going to be blamed for kicking people off of insurance, which is not, not the fact at all, but that's how it's going to be portrayed by the media. So now what they're trying to do is give it back to the states. We'll let the states opt in or opt out. It's going to be their choice. They've tried this all before, and I'll tell you the problem in a second, but the point is that essentially blue states are going to end up sticking with the Obamacare mandates. That means they're going to have these essential health benefits, and uh, they're going to cover all these people. And, uh, you know, that uh, Obamacare forces them to cover and pre-existing conditions and all that stuff. And, uh, of course, it's going to be paid for by the working people, by the middle class people. The red states are going to opt out. That's the idea here. And they're going to opt out of all the Obamacare restrictions. And therefore, it, you know, on the state level, it's easier to have Obamacare implemented somewhat than on the federal level. On the federal level, it just destroys the entire country, as we're seeing happen, the entire health care system. Now, the problem is, and, and what happens to the Medicaid expansion? Who knows? I guess you can opt out of that, too. The problem is that once there's, you know, I, we've seen this so many times before. The CBO, Congressional Budget Office, is going to have an estimate of how many people are going to come off of insurance as a result of this bill. And they're going to say millions and millions of people. And then Republicans are going to get hammered. And they're going to say, forget it. We can't vote for this. That's what happened last time. It's just going to be repeated. I don't see how this is going to solve that. Maybe I'm wrong. One big difference, as we've told you, is the individual mandate has already been repealed. That already took several million people voluntarily off of health insurance, or at least it will. The projection is going to, I guess, take effect in 2019. So, you know, maybe the projections of how many people come off of insurance will be will be lower, and maybe that'll make an impact. But sorry for being skeptical about this, and we'll, of course, keep you updated as things uh, unfold. Now, a, a uni the University of Oregon had a vote. The student government there had a vote. 12 to 6, the vote was that the government, that the university should sever ties with Israel. They should join the BDS movement. They should sever ties with any company that does business with Israel. Now, this includes, by the way, Hewlett Packard and uh, other 
major companies, major companies. So the question's going to be, you know, are, are they going to stop using, not just the university, are these students going to stop using any Hewlett Packard product? Maybe. The university is very upset. The president of the university says, I can't believe where we went wrong with our students. We've been teaching them about inclusivity. You know, these liberal universities. Inclusion. You're supposed to include everybody, which I don't believe in, by the way, but his point is, and yet they have this, 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 this policy that they voted that we should join the BDS movement, which is the antithesis of inclusivity. So, I guess give him credit. I don't. I, I suspect that I wouldn't agree with too many of his views, this university president either. But, you know, give him credit for at least speaking out against these students. And you see this all over the place in these universities where they, uh, you know, the liberal support of the BDS movement. I'm sure they have no, I'm sure none of these people who voted have ever read a book on the history of Israel. I'm sure they haven't even looked it up on Wikipedia. They have no idea that the Palestinian people is a made up people. They, they're, they're Jordanians and they didn't exist 80 years ago. And they were just made up for the purposes of propaganda and bashing Israel. They don't know about all the U.N. bias. I'm sure they don't know that Israel got attacked numerous times by its Arab neighbors, defeated them every time, and yet often gave back the land. And Ariel Sharon actually gave back Gaza, even though he had no need to whatsoever. He did it, quote-unquote, out of the goodness of his heart. Not that, you know, necessarily it was a good move, but he did it, and yet doesn't get zero credit for it. And look, what it's ha look what's happened as a result. Look at Hamas. Look at uh, how they've grown and the kind of power and violence that they've caused as a result of that one move. These students know nothing about it. They just know that somebody told them in their college that the Israelis are evil and bullies. And look, they kill babies. So we have to support the BDS movement. Unbelievable. Right, and finally, uh, President Trump signed the Dodd-Frank rollback into law. And guess who he forgot to invite? Most of the Democrats who were co-sponsors of the law. He only let Heidi Heitkamp come. She's been a, a supporter of some of his policies. So I guess he was nicer to her. And she, of course, helped, I guess, uh, Mike Pompeo get pushed through. But uh, all the other Democrats were snubbed. And Trump said, sorry, uh, even though you co-founded this bill, I'm not going to invite you. Good for him on that. And uh, that's going to do it on this Sunday. We thank you for joining us. And we will see you next time.